We are Lone Star 187. Two sisters that love listening to true crime podcasts and decided to give this shit a try. Since we are Texas through and through, we will be researching murders across our Lone Star state. 187 is slang for the penal code for homicide. Since police codes are unique by city and county, we decided to simply use something that most people would get. We know this code isn't specific to Texas, but hey, we like it and it's our podcast, so we do what we want. Lone Star 187 most definitely contains elements that are not suitable for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Units heading out to that disturbance exit seat in the vehicle. Go ahead and reduce, but continue, reduce, but continue at one point. Case file 49, The Woodruff Murders. Hi, we're back. We're back. It's like I haven't seen you in forever. I know. It's going, it's going. Good. Summer, summer, summer time, summer time. Every time it's summertime, I want to listen to the Will Smith song, Summertime. I like the one, the uh, summertime. Oh, yeah, yeah. What is that, Sublime? Is that Sublime? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a good one, too. Like. Yep. Okay. So, who are you? So, my name is Carrie. I'm Brittany. And we are... Lone Star 187. Coming at you. That was a good one. So, do we have any podcast business before we jump right into this episode? Nope. This is a really good one. This is like... I've been like, when you called me the other night, I was like, oh, I'm so excited. This is a really good one. Yeah. So, no, I'm ready to get down okay. and dirty. How, wait, wait. Beep, boop, 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 boop. How far are we going? Not very far away. Where are we going? We are going to Royce City, Texas. Okay. Okay. This is in Hunt County. Be careful how you say that because if you reverse some letters, it's going to be bad. It's an association. Some thing. dyslexia can happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it, got it, got it. I already do that. So I was like, I'm going to mention it, but hopefully I don't slip. And what is the date I'm traveling us back to? We are to? going back to October of 2005. Okay. Okay, so not necessarily summer anymore. No. Nope. 2005. We're pumpkin spicing. We're, we're doing some pumpkin spice latte. We're cardiganing. Cardigan we're, we're preparing for Halloween, and we're like thankful for oh, the cool A breeze. night in All Hallows' Eve where children run amok? Amok, amok, amok. <laughs> so Royce City is about 33 miles east of Plano, so it's not very far away. Okay. Some interesting facts about Royce City is it was instrumental in getting the Missouri, Kansas, and Texas railway line brought from Greenville to Dallas through Rockwall County. The population as of 2020 was 17,360. But at the time of this situation that we're going to talk about, I think it was only like, it was less than 10,000. It wasn't as many. It's very out in the country and there's lots of land. So it's like, Living out in the country, but you're not too far away. Didn't one of Savannah's friends live there? No, uh, one of Brenna's friends. Okay, because I remember her friend Lauren. Okay, I remember her forever. Her remember parents. her saying like, "Oh, my friend, she lives in Royce City." Mm-hmm. I remember that. Okay. Yes. Um, and some notable people that live there are that are from there are there are two baseball players. One called Gus Ketchum, who was an older player that played for Philadelphia something. Yeah, Ketchum, K E T C H U M. Could he Gus, catch him? Gus. I don't know. I mean, he's notable, so probably he caught him. And then Taylor Hearn, which that sounds familiar. I think he played for the Rangers. And then 
Olivia Mojica. Bless you. Thank you. She was a... <laughs> she was a season two semi-finalist on American Idol. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, let's jump I got right my pumpkin it. spice latte. I'm putting out pumpkins. So, it's October 18th, 2005. Okay. A woman by the name of Linda. Listen, Linda. Linda, Linda, listen, 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 listen. <laughs> Grandma. So, Linda is about to leave work for lunch and her office phone rings. Okay. It's her niece, Sharla, who is calling because she's worried, worried sick about her mom and dad. So, Linda is her mom's sister. So, okay. Linda is her aunt. So, she asked, have you heard from mom or dad? And Linda said no. And she said, well, I spoke to them on Sunday. And this is a Tuesday, by the way. I spoke to them on Sunday, but I have not been able to get in touch with them since. She said, I've called their work. It goes to voicemail. I've left messages on their cell phones. No answer. So Linda starts calling everybody that she knows that could have also heard from them. So she makes all these phone calls. Nobody's heard from them. Nobody, mm. nobody, nobody. Sus. By five o'clock... Nobody has heard from them. So Linda decides, okay, it's time for us to send somebody out there. Because Linda lives in Texarkana. The family that they're trying to check on has a son and a daughter, and they're in college. So there's really nobody that's close by. So they call a family friend and ask him, hey, can you drive by there and see if everything is okay? So he says, okay, I'm only 30 minutes away, so I'll go check on it. So he gets there. Both cars are there. The doors are secure. Everything seems okay. So he has to climb into a window on the side to get in. And when he goes in, he finds a couple, Dennis and Norma, sitting side by side on the couch, slumped over, as if they'd been just watch, just sitting there watching TV. Like, they're obviously dead. There's blood everywhere. They look really beat up. So obviously he's shocked. So he calls Linda back and says, look, I got some really bad news. They're dead. They're on the couch. There's blood everywhere. They're beat up. It's it's bad. So he hangs up and then calls the sheriff department. And a Sergeant Noel Martin makes it to the scene. So he sees that not only is Dennis shot in the head and face, but he's stabbed. Oh, my gosh. And he sees that Norma only has a bullet wound to her upper, her, her upper body. So not as brutal. There's no sign of a break-in. And with how relaxed they see they seem to be, the, the sheriff... Re- figures the couple must have known their attacker because they weren't they just seemed so relaxed or they were caught off guard watching tv right right you know i mean if you're watching tv and something's really loud right and somebody gets in the house and then walks up to you and shoots you you don't have time to react but i think if it's somebody you don't know you're going to react in some form or fashion so you may not be on you may be up off the couch or if you have time yeah true that's true and they said that Dennis still had like a styrofoam cup in his hand that he'd been using as a spit cup. Ooh. So they called the Texas Rangers to help with the investigation. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Dennis and Norma. So Dennis was born on... Wait, is it side note, no. Do you remember the neighbors that me and mom used to have across the street? Their names were Dennis and Norma. Really? Yeah, Norma Wade and Dennis Wade. You should ask mom. I will. With the first, the first Spur Ranch house we had. Do you mm-hmm. remember the lady that lived across the street that had the two kids? Yes. Her name was Norma. I didn't remember And then her she name. met a guy named Dennis, and they got married. That's crazy. And their Ooh. kids' names were Adrian and Van. These kids are Charlotte and Brandon. Okay. Okay, sorry. No problem. So Dennis was born on September 26th, 1962. 
in Heath, Texas, which isn't very far away from Roy City. Uh, he married Norma Johnson on June 16th in 1982 in Texarkana, Arkansas. They had two children, Brandon and Sharla. At the point that this happened, like I said, the, both kids were in college. And so Dennis and Norma decided to move into a smaller place out in the country. Uh, so they moved from Heath to Roy City and they had just barely moved. They were still in the process of moving stuff when this oh, happened. Wow. Like they had some stuff at the house in Roy City. But all their animals and stuff and some of their other stuff, most of the other stuff was still at the house in Heath. So okay. they were in the process of trying to sell that, and they bought this. So they were downsizing. The yeah. kids are gone. Mm -hmm. They don't need such a big place. So they were trying to save some money. Dennis wasn't super fond of the outdoors and animals as his wife. He preferred to stay indoors, but he was a great cook. So that was his job. He cooked all the meals for the family. Norma was born on February 6, 1963 in Texarkana. She was involved in several organizations in regards to animals. She showed animals, raised animals, taught people about animals. Uh, she was in the 4-H, like she was in a director and mm -hmm. all that. So if it had to do with animals, she was there. And Norma's sister, Linda, lives in Texarkana, but it's only about a two-hour drive. So they still see each other quite often. There's always driving back and forth. And Norma... Linda knows that Norma's happy because when they do talk and see each other, she just talks how how much about how happy she and Dennis are in their new cozy home. And they're just super excited for the house and Heath to sell so they can continue with like just, they both still work. They're not retired, but like they can relax a little bit. Yeah. It's smaller and the kids are in college and all of that stuff. Okay. So now we're back to the night. So the cops, they start processing the scene. So they see... There, there's TVs, there are laptops around, there's jewelry, lots of valuables. So clearly this wasn't about a robbery because unless something that they don't know about is gone, everything mm -hmm. looks undisturbed. Um, and so finally they call Sharla, Linda calls Sharla to tell her the thing, mm -hmm. what happened to her parents. Of course she's devastated. She can barely keep it together. So then Charlotte calls her brother, Brandon, who was also at college. I don't know how many times I have to say that. Why do I keep saying that? They met in college. They met in college. In high school, they met in college. She calls them and tell them, tells them what happened. So they both pack a bag and they head to Roy City to be with the rest of the family. And where were they going to school? She went to school. She was going to college in Texarkana and he was going to Abilene Christian University. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's the next day. Investigators are still working through all the details of the crime scene because by the time... They actually get there. So think about it. It's five o'clock when they, when Linda finally gets somebody to go there. Okay. So then by the time he gets there, say it's five 30 or six. So then he finds the situation and then he calls the cops. I mean, he doesn't find Mike the sitch situation. Who got a situation. But he goes into this horrific crime scene. So then the sheriff have to get there. So by the time they actually start processing stuff, it's dark. Mm -hmm. So they really, they work through it as much as they, as much as they can. But they can't really do detailed stuff until the next day when it's it's light. I mean, they could turn the lights on, but it's different, right? The the doors were locked from the inside, which is interesting. Um, so they assume the perpetrator must have had a key or some way to lock the door. They spray the entire house with luminol, and well, they, they do find... How did that guy get in the window? He, he said the window was unlocked. But let's just... Just remember that. Because, I mean, if he got in easily through an unlocked window, then that perpetrator he, could have gotten in and out by true, the same way. True, but he said he had to take the screen off. But still, like, you're you right. You can put the screen back if you leave. That's true. You can. Yep, okay. Fair enough. So they spray the house with luminol, and they find a blood trail 
leading from the couch to the guest bathroom, which is like a straight shot. So like, okay, well, whoever did this felt comfortable enough to go into the bathroom and clean up before they left. So the autopsy reports come back and show that Dennis was shot once and stabbed about 10 times. Mm, like um, all over? Yeah, it didn't say, but... Um, probably in the biggest area, the trunk of the body. Probably, because they were able to see the stab wounds when they when they got mm. there. Um, but in an odd twist, it, they said that Dennis, they could tell his stab wounds were done post-mortem. Did I say so, stab wounds? I think I said stab wounds. <laughs> Okay, not his stab wounds, because that's disgusting. Yeah. His stab wounds mm. showed, showed that it was post-mortem. So that's some anger and resentment. Or they're just making sure he's dead, because they don't know they, if he's dead. Maybe they just want to make sure he's dead. Mm-hmm. All of this is conjecture. We don't even know. We're just going to make shit up as we go. The ME confirms that the victims were likely killed on Sunday, which were two days before they were found. But, but like... Once there's lividity, you can't really tell for sure, right? So they think Sunday, but I think they want to believe it's Sunday, but they really don't have any way mm-hmm. to, tell, to tell. And so they do recover some bullets, uh, and it looked like the bullets were from either a 44 or a 45 caliber gun. So that's a pretty big mm. um, gun, pistol. So now they're like, okay, we don't really have a whole lot to go on, so let's start by interviewing the kids. So they bring in the daughter, uh, but they didn't really suspect her. And this is where it starts getting a little frustrating because... Well, they were away at college, right? They were away at college. Okay. Right. But at this point, they don't know. They're away. At, they were at college when they found the parents. Oh, but that doesn't true. mean that they weren't home Over the weekend. on the weekend, right? Got it. Okay. Um, so they interview her, but immediately they say they didn't really suspect her because based on her interview and her answers and the brutality of the crime... Especially with the dad, they felt like it was unlikely that it was her and even more unlikely that it was even a woman because they just felt like it was too brutal that mm-hmm. it needed to be from a man. And because like Charlotte's really small and petite, like I, I I got most of this came from a there's an episode of Nightmare Next Door called Lone Star Mystery that I watched. And there's a whole bunch of stuff on the Internet. I didn't really find a whole lot on newspapers.com. So I pulled stuff from... I'll put the links in the in, in the on the page. But I got most of the information all over the internet. Like I found so many places to be honest, I don't even know if I kept track of all of them. Um, but this is a huge, huge, huge thing. And the timing of this is, is pretty ironic. It was not planned, um, but we'll get into that more as we get into the details of the story. Besides the fact that they don't really suspect her. Um, she had a really solid alibi for the night of the murder. She was babysitting her cousins in Arkansas. And then after she was finished babysitting, she went back to her dorm. And of course they asked her, do you know of anybody who would do this? And she's like, I can't imagine anybody that would want to do this to my parents. Um, and they, but they do find out in the course of her interview that she d- did have some mental problems and she did try to commit suicide once before, um, with a gun and she didn't succeed. So that's why they didn't have any guns in the house. So the gun... Like she didn't... Like she shot herself and didn't die or she didn't actually shoot herself? I don't know the details of that. I don't... Yeah. I just know she tried to commit suicide with a gun and she didn't succeed. And I think she hurt an animal at some point. Yeah. So she, she had some mental problems, but she was working through them and going to college. She wanted to be... She wanted to be an investigator. So... She was trying to get her life back on track. Mm-hmm. So now they interview Brandon. So obviously he comes back. He's staying with his Aunt Linda. 
of course, this is what they always say, that his reaction wasn't the same as all the other family members they interviewed. Although everybody reacts differently to this kind of stuff. So you can't really judge it on that. But it seems like it happens a lot. It does. It does happen a lot. And sometimes there's truth to it. And sometimes there, there isn't. Mm-hmm. But on the Saturday before the murders, Brandon spent the day with his girlfriend who lives very close to his parents. And uh, so then on Sunday, he drives from his girlfriend's house to his parents, has dinner with them, and then leaves about 6.30. On? On Sunday. Sunday. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then he drives to the house in Heath to feed and take care of the animals. Then from there, he leaves to go pick up a friend to go to a bar. After that, they go to the bar, they dance, they have fun. He drops his buddy off and drives back to college where he stayed the rest of the weekend. Now, he goes to school at Abilene Christian. That's so a that's, long that's way That's a from lot of driving, but like... He's, After being at a bar? Yeah, I know. But that's what he did. That's what he said he did. That's his account of what happened. That's what he said he did. Okay. So far, you're right. This, we don't know much except for this is what he said he did. Okay. So, of course, they asked him the same question. Do you know of anybody who would want to do this to your parents? And he says, well, I think I might know someone. He said, I have a friend or an enemy or a frenemy. His name is Luke Donovan. So Brandon and Luke have been friends for a very long time. And you know those kind of friends that you have that they're your friend, but you get irritated with each other very easily. And there's this huge, like, competition. Everything is a rivalry. Mm -hmm. Like, they're always Mm -hmm. there. When you're there and, right, mm-hmm. you're in the same clubs together and you're in 4-H and all these other, it's everything is a competition. That's this friendship. Um, but things went south when they both tried to date the same girl. Mm. And at that point, Luke threatened Brandon, which made him wonder, like, is he, maybe did he kill my parents for some kind of sick revenge? Mm-hmm. Right? Or go there thinking he was there and he wasn't. Right. Thinking he was going to hurt Brandon and then Brandon's not there, so he takes it out on Brandon's dad. Right. So then more suspicious suspicions arose about Luke when Brandon remembered uh, that his parents had a real expensive dog. There was a family dog named CJ, and the dog died unexpectedly. So they took him to the vet, and the autopsy revealed that the dog was given antifreeze. Ooh. Dennis suspected that it was Luke. He was thinking that Luke was the one that gave the dog antifreeze. 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 So thinking, okay, that's fine. We'll bring in Luke for questioning. So they bring in Luke. And he admits that he and Brandon had this big rivalry going, but he spoke very highly of Dennis and Norma, which is what a guilty person would do, right? Mm -hmm. But he said they were a great family, and they asked him where he was the night of the murders, and he said he was watching a movie with his girlfriend across town. So they let him go because they don't really have anything to keep him. But, of course, his name goes on a list of people that they are suspicious of. Mm -hmm. The sus list. Right. So a couple days later... This woman calls a police station to say, I've just realized that I have a gun missing. How convenient. So this woman, if you had to guess who this woman is, could you make a guess? Or is it too early in the story? Is it Luke's mom? No, but it's Brandon's girlfriend's mom. Yeah, that's not good for Brandon, is it? Mm. So what happened is this woman, oh, what was her name? Their last name is Denning. So the Brandon's mom's, Brandon's girlfriend's mom says that her husband was getting ready. He was packing for a hunting trip and he realizes he finds the, so he has a gun belt Mm -hmm. that was on a shelf and several bullets were gone and the gun was gone, but the belt was there and the rest of the ammo was there. So you could see that someone specifically took out X amount of bullets Mm -hmm. and the gun. She said, I don't think Brandon took the gun, but after hearing about Brandon's parents, I'm a little bit suspicious. Mm -hmm. This, at this point, 
There was nothing in the news about how Dennis and Norma were killed, just that they were murdered. So there's no reports of being stabbed or being shot. And that's accurate because when I, when I said I couldn't find nothing in hardly anything in the newspapers.com, nothing about the trial, like it was very minimal. So they know that his parents were murdered, but they don't know how. So the fact that she called about this gun just shows that she had a little bit of intuition or knew that the gun being gone was significant. Joanna was her name. Joanna felt guilty about calling the cops because it was almost like she wanted to protect him. I mean, that's his, that's her daughter's boyfriend. She wanted to protect him. But she also said, Brandon isn't the only one that's been in the house. There have been other people. There was a party several weeks ago. So like all that whole group of friends were here. Mm -hmm. So she started naming all the people that were there. And guess who, who else was there besides Brandon? Luke. Yeah. So if, if it's Brandon, it could also be anybody else that was mm -hmm. in the house. Sure. Right. I mean, I know that Brandon was there just the day before, but they had a party three or four weeks well, ago. Well, this is the first time he's even looked at his belt. Yeah. Right? So he doesn't know, he doesn't how know when it's been exactly. missing. And he hadn't checked it since way before that party. So there is no guarantee that it was already there. It was there for even Brandon to take. Right? right. Yeah. There's no proof. So they um, take some of the ammo that's still in the belt and they compare that to some of the bullets that they had as evidence. And they match, but since they don't have the gun to do the ballistics, the ballistics, they can't really tell for sure. I mean, it looks the same, but that doesn't mean it's the same, right? Because you've got a spent casing mm -hmm. and you've got the actual bullet, right? So, well, and if it's ammunition, and especially in that area, who anybody could have bought the same kind of ammo. Exactly, you can. It's exactly you can't really tell. So on October twenty second, Dennis and Norma are laid to rest in Texarkana. So that is only three days later. It didn't happen on the eighteenth. Yeah. So they have a funeral. Very sad. Five days after the murder, the detec detectives decide, let's drive to Brandon's where he goes to college and let's just gather some information. Let's just see what's going on out there. Mm -hmm. So they go to Abilene Christian and they, they find his roommate. They question his roommate. And the roommate's like, no, he's a good guy. He hasn't been acting strange or anything lately. Um, but when they start talking to Brandon's professors, they find out that he's basically failing every class. He's been missing classes. He was in trouble and his mom and dad knew he was having trouble though. So that's not like something that they didn't discuss. Um, but Dennis did, did tell Brandon way before that if he fell out of college, that he'd have to come back home and go to community college and pay for it himself. Because if he was, wasn't going to apply himself, they weren't going to let him go to a, an actual college not that the community college is an actual but you know what i'm saying but like uh, with the dorm experience right and all exactly that. the whole thing that comes along with being right. a college student when you're living in the dorm right mm -hmm, sure yeah we're not going to foot that bill i don't if blame you're not going to commit then you you can still go to college you can live at home but you're paying for it right that's fair maybe if you pay for it you'll put in more effort exactly and i think that's where they were headed with that so they also find out from a few of Brandon's friends around campus that he had been flaunting a lot of cash, like he had a lot of money that he was showing. Um, and he told his friends that he got this money because he was modeling. He's been going to New York and Florida doing modeling gigs. But what they end up finding out is that Brandon was basically le leading an entirely different private life. Like a double life? Kind of. So like he, yeah, he was leading, living two lives. One, he was the Abilene Christian college student with a girlfriend going to school. And the other was he was starring in adult films as a gay porn actor. 
Well, that's where he was getting what? all the cash. Yeah. Talk about polar opposites. Exactly. And his first big feature was being going to be released in a few months. So I think they started thinking, okay, well, if he's going to... So at this point, but they don't have any hard evidence against him at all. There is no evidence pointing besides the circumstantial bullshit that they can find. There's nothing hard evidence saying that he did it. And what is circumstantial? Just that he was possibly the last people to see them alive. That's really the only it, evidence. And, and that he might have taken the gun from, oh, his, right, right. from okay. his girlfriend's parents' house. He was there the day Even before. though there's no proof that that gun there's even no, matches the ballistics. We don't know that true. yet. It seems like it might be the same caliber mm-hmm. but it's, bullet, but that's it. It's a reach. It's, it's a possible, reach. but it's a reach. So they decide to check Luke's phone records and by his phone records and all of that, they were able to figure out that he was at his girlfriend's house at the time of the murder. If they were in fact killed on Sunday, that's what they're going with right now. So that's what they think. So they kind of mark him off. But Brandon's phone records, they said, showed that there were several several hours of time that he couldn't account for. And that, they were saying, lines up with the times that they think the family was murdered. So at this point, I think the detectives have decided that Brandon did it. So during those hours, does he just not say where he was? Well, I think we'll figure that out okay. later. Okay. Okay. So six days after the murder, the police decide they're going to arrest Brandon. With this circumstantial stuff they have, so they go to Texarkana because at this point, Brandon and Sharla are with uh, their Aunt Linda in Texarkana because nobody wants to stay at the house and they don't want to go back to school yet, so they're with their aunt. They go there, go into the house, and arrest him and charge him with two counts of capital murder. This is only five days, six days after, by the way. It doesn't seem like I mean, like how is that even long enough to get all the reports back? And all the DNA, like all of it, like... Like, what about the just, blood spatters? They they found, were they able to test the blood from the couch to the to the bathroom? If they found luminol, can't you still test that or can you not test it? No, you once it's been see, wiped up, you can see you it. You can only see that well, it was like, there. But and then, like, what about the clothes he was wearing? Like, did they ask him for his clothes? Yeah. Were there they any, like... his car, everything. They didn't I, find anything. I just don't... It's a reach, isn't it? It is a reach, and I just feel like they're, um, it, there's no way that it's fully processed. Agreed. I feel like... There's still parts of that crime scene that could use more processing. Agreed. Need more input. Exactly. <laughs> Need more time. Stop rushing to get an answer. Mm-hmm. The family is just completely shocked. They cannot understand how this can be true. They're they're still trying to process what happened. Like the funeral was just the day before or a couple of days before. They're still in shock. This lady, Linda, her nephew is being arrested and being charged well, with Well, and it. like what possible motive could he have to kill his parents? That's, but that's obvious right now. There's none. Right. That we can see. You know, right? because usually, I mean, in my opinion, the first thing I always think of is what, what, which person would it benefit the most to have this person dead? Right? Right. right. And I'm sure they probably had life insurances, but he, it's not like he gets all the money. He has a sister. Mm-hmm. Plus they just bought a new house, you know, so it's not like. And they've got a house that they haven't sold yet. Right. So they've got a house full of stuff that they still have to clean up, sell. And they've got to move all that stuff from that house to the house that they live in now. That it, it just it just doesn't doesn't line up motive wise in my opinion. But there could be something underlying right. I don't know about. So while the family's continuing to pack up the house, the stuff from the house in Heath, uh, they find a dagger in a box, and it's like a it's got like a really fancy handle, and then like it's got the handle, and then how sometimes it'll have like the lip that goes out. Mm-hmm. Okay. They find the dagger and they remember that 
Dennis was stabbed several times, so they turned it into the sheriff's office. So they do testing on the dagger, and while the blade is clean, they say that like on the top of it, there's a skull, and under the skull, they were able to get some DNA that was um, Dennis's DNA. So then they assume, okay, so this is the knife that he was stabbed with. Um, and because at this point, it's public knowledge that the couple was stabbed. So does that dagger, like, is the length fit the stab wound? Good question. I, mean, I don't know yet. I think right and now they're making the assumption. if it's in his house, wouldn't his DNA be on it anyway? No, but they're saying this was Brandon's knife, not Dennis's knife. But, how, I mean, it's his dad. Would he have never had it in the house but with his dad? But the box they said came from, it was, all the stuff that was in the box was Brandon's stuff, not, not his dad's. So they wouldn't expect Dennis's DNA to be on the knife. Because it was Brandon's knife. Okay. That's what they're saying. Okay. But like um, more sort of the handle, right? Not the blade. Like at the bottom? Like no, where you the, hold it? Where they found it was at the top. So there's a handle. So the handle's like this. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's the lip. Mm-hmm. The lip is decorated with skulls. And it was under the lip. It was under there. Oh, I see. Like I see. dig to get the, okay. the blood. Okay. So like even if... So basically what they're trying to show is that he cleaned it off, but he missed a spot. Because like... thankfully for them, he missed a spot. Or that's what they're saying. I would see, like, if you were to take something from my room, it's possible that you or mom's DNA could be on it. Fair enough. Because I spend a lot of time with you, even if you didn't, I take it on trips, take place, you know? Yeah, I think if it's it was a, If it was a stranger, like someone that would have never been in your house, I'd be like, why is there DNA on you? But for your dad's DNA to be on something of yours, even though it came from your that's house. In your, it's, that's but, in their garage. Or yeah, I mean, that's farm. your, and it's your immediate family. And if you've had that knife for 15 years, DNA doesn't. And how do you know it's not Brandon's DNA? Because, I mean, I know they're, they're a familial match, so it might be. But, like, is it 100%? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It yeah. seems very vague. It does seem like still like a reach. October 2007. Mm-hmm. The trial for Brandon is going on. And so there, I didn't find a whole lot about the trial, but I did find that they ended up having to pull a prosecutor from Brandon's murder trial because they violated his rights by ordering recordings of phone calls between Brandon and his and his attorneys to be given to them so they could listen to the tape conversations and they let them but that's supposed to be confidential between yes, you and your attorney I know but they released it to the prosecutors so what what, what were they charging him with two counts of capital murder that's I said that earlier okay I, I, I was I was trying to figure out because I know we did that no, one case where we no capital it says they when they they six days later remember they go to Texarkana right and they charge him with two counts of capital murder. I just don't. How do they have enough evidence to charge him with actual murder? That just That's seems like. So far, you're right. The trial lasts as long as it lasts. March 19, 2008. The testimony lasted for two weeks. And after five hours of deliberation, the jury come back comes back with a, what do you think? It, I would say not guilty because right. I don't think there's enough evidence to prosecute Agreed. him. But they came back with a guilty verdict. And Brandon is convicted to capital murder and sentenced to life in prison. Did they talk about his gay porno lifestyle? That's they why did. they pardoned him there guilty. Because we are in go. a biblical state and we're Bible in a small Bible. town, Texas. You can't throw and they're like, and I can't believe this Christian boy who's supposed to be Christian in this small town in Texas is a gay porn star. I'm so disgusted. Not only is he gay, but he's also a murderer. And that is bullshit. There you go. Oh, based, I'm mad. Based on the evidence, here's what the What police- evidence? Here's what they, here's how they think that night went. Okay. Brandon gets to his parents' house at 6 p.m. He has an argument with them about his grades and his lifestyle. It gets out of control. He pulls out the gun that he stole from his girlfriend's house the previous day, shoots them both. 
takes out the dagger, stabs his dad, cleans up, drives to Heath to feed the animals and hide the dagger, uh, and then goes to meet his friends in Dallas. And on the way, throws the gun out because they still, today, they still haven't found the gun. Nobody knows where it is. It hasn't been found. Brandon still maintains his innocence. Every appeal is denied. Uh, his sister, Sharla, is currently employed as a detective in the Magnolia County, in Magnolia County, Arkansas. There is a website called freebrandon.org. Okay, I urge all of you guys to go there and look at it. In February, in February of 2018, the Texas Department of Criminal, Criminal, motherfucker. Don't be a criminal, guys. Don't be a criminal. Okay, in February of 2018, the Texas Department of Criminal Justice allowed producers of a documentary called Texas Justice Brandon Woodruff to interview Brandon. He's at the Hughes Unit in Gatesville. This documentary was recorded by Scott, I'm going to screw it up, Poggenzi, P-O-G-G-E-N-S-E-E, Poggenzi. 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 And on this website, there is a four-minute video on the freebrandon.org. There's a video that Brandon speaks. He's like, my name is Brandon. I've been accused of this. I did not do it. I did not kill my family. I had a supportive family. My dad knew I came out to my dad. He knew that I, he knew my lifestyle. Some of the stories you read, they talked about like he, he didn't come out to his dad because he wanted to. So basically what happened is some of the clubs that he would go to were gay clubs, mm -hmm. but he didn't want his dad to know yet. So he lied and said he was at a different club. But what he didn't realize is the club he told them he was at was also a gay club. Ooh, dang. So his dad said, look, you know, one of the times he was home visiting, his dad said, look, I know. And Brandon said, what do you mean? He said, that club that you go to, I know. And he said, we love you. We don't care. If that's who you are, we support you. Mm -hmm. So it's not like his dad, it's not like the cops portrayed it where he came out and then his dad got all pissed off because he had a loving, supportive family. They didn't care whether or not he was gay. It was about him, not his lifestyle. Maybe they not may not have been as supportive of the, the pornos or whatever, he said his family was loving and caring, and it wasn't like that. What about his sister? Does she did she know he was of his lifestyle? No, she. I don't think she knew to the extent. I think maybe she was suspicious mm -hmm. because, like, he was like when you look at pictures of him, he you can't tell he he like is trying to portray this life. He has some pictures where he's got a cowboy hat on. Well, and but he I had mean, a girlfriend, right? He had a girlfriend, but like he, I, I, I mean, he was going to Abilene Christian University. So you're kind of setting yourself up for failure there, right? Yeah, so, that's true. And I mean, maybe he just was, when you're that age, you're exploring everything. Mm -hmm. And so maybe coming home and not going to ACU would have been the better choice. Mm -hmm. But like when you're someone his age and you, you're you doing something and you're making that much money, it's kind of hard to turn that shit down. Yeah, Especially absolutely. Especially if you're having fun and you're not hurting anybody. Yeah. I mean... Do it, man. If that's what you want to do and you're good at it and you like it and you make good money and nobody's getting hurt, do knock it. yourself yep. out. Support as as long as you mentally are safe with it and you exactly. can do it and it's, and it's good for you. And they're not exploiting him or taking advantage Absolutely. of him, or him And you're comfortable with it, then do it. Exactly. I have no... So it's not the way they're making it sound like there was this big fight because his mom and dad found out and then they got upset and weren't supportive and then he blew up because that's what they're trying to make it sound well, like. Well, and the other thing is that they it's like they're taking two different scenarios and merging them into one because for him to have the gun and the dagger 
that would be premeditation, Mm -hmm. which means his family would already know he was gay, already didn't like his life, and then he went over there with the intention to kill them because they don't like his life. Or the scenario of he decides to come out to them, but he's unprepared. You know, like, that you can't have it both ways. Right. Either he planned it or he didn't. Exactly. Right? And they if it was said a, anything about premeditation. But if he stole the gun for that reason, and he took the Fair dagger enough. for that reason, right? Because both those weapons were in two different locations. Mm-hmm. So he would have to bring them with him to the house to commit the crime. Right? Yep. So it would make more sense to me if... May, how do we know that he didn't take that gun and was like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have my dad show me how to shoot this gun. Right? So I'm going to take my girlfriend's dad's gun. I'm going to take it to my dad's house, my parents' house, live out in the country. I'm going to take a couple of rounds of ammunition and just have my dad show me how to shoot a gun. Like, mm-hmm. how do they know that maybe that's not what he did? How do, yeah. You know, there's so many scenarios, but it seems like they're really, really trying to make a situation happen that I don't see how that could happen. I, I and it's very, very odd to me that this person that found them just happened to find a window to get into. So the Brandon speaks, and then some of his family members and other people that support his innocence also speak. So the video is about four minutes. I urge everybody to go watch it. There's a petition. Uh, when I checked the site last night, the petition count was at 1,882. I don't know what they're trying to get. I think they're only trying to get to 2,000. So April of 2021, the Innocence Project is now assisting him with his case. That's so, so good. they don't just help anybody. Like if, if mm-hmm. you have... If they feel like you're wrongly accused, then they're they're going to help you. So Brandon still maintains his innocent. He says he believes that the anti-gay bias played a major role in his conviction. Um, the way the Innocence Project found out about Brandon is because of Scott's documentary, The Texas Justice, which they've done screenings at like Texas Theater in Greenville, mm-hmm. since that's where his trial was. Um, and he said... Brandon says the phrase that was used over and over again during my trial was if he can lie about being gay, he can lie about killing his parents. He was, he didn't lie about being gay. He, he didn't, I don't believe because they didn't just because, well, and just because he lived a double life. I mean, maybe he portrayed himself as a heterosexual, but he also portrayed himself as a gay. He was also living in the damn Bible belt. Which one of them is a lie? Was he trying, what did he think he was gay and he was living that lifestyle to see if that was him or was he living the heterosexual lifestyle thinking that was him? Maybe he didn't I know what he was. Maybe. And I mean, again, you know, age, maybe he was like trying yeah. to explore to figure out who he was. Right. So to say that he was living a life that he was lying about being gay, maybe he didn't tell people. I mean, that's in my opinion, what you do behind closed doors with men, women, maybe he's is no one's business, but yours, your agree. sexual orientation is between you and the person that you're with. I totally agree. I shouldn't have to tell you if I'm gay or or heterosexual. That's it, my business. And that has no bearing on what happened to my parents. Which Absolutely I think is not. Why that, so they basically did, it was basically character assassination. That's what it sounds That's like. That's how he was convicted. But again, Brandon was out to his father and him being gay was an issue. He said his dad was supportive. So you remember Richard Ray? He used to be on Fox 4. You might mm-hmm. hear his voice. Okay. He was at one of the airings of the documentary at the Texan Theater in Greenville. And he said that the more he read into the case, the more he was convinced that Brandon was innocent and that his story needs to be told to a big audience so people can understand that he is innocent. And so um, he said, so I think Richard Ray has helped Brandon get introduced to the Innocence Project and mm-hmm. through the documentary. 
So prosecutors alleged that Brandon kills him, killed his parents, killed his parents, and this wasn't even in the other document that I read, with a gun in one hand and a knife in the other. But no blood evidence was ever found in his car or on any of his clothes. So you tell me how that's possible. It's not. When you see, like, because when they reenact the documentary, there's blood all, like, there's blood everywhere. There's blood, it seeps into the couch, it's on the back of the couch, it's under the cushions, it's all over them, it's everywhere. Well, and, okay, he was stabbed ten times, Mm -hmm. right? Okay, let's just take a trip down memory lane to the Darlie Routier case. Mm -hmm. She was wearing a white nightgown, Mm -hmm. and those boys together weren't even stabbed ten times. Together 10 times. And there was tiny specks of blood on the back of her nightgown Mm -hmm. that belonged to those boys. And if she and if she was on the couch when they were stabbed, that's a good distance away. If she was on top of them whenever she if she stabbed them, then it was on from the cast off. So how is it possible that this guy shot and stabbed his father and didn't have any speck anywhere? Great question. And how does he, if if the clothes that he gave them to process, let's say he didn't wear them then, where are they? Because they would have been left at the house, right? Because where else would they go? Or even if he left in them, they, it would have been in his car. Mm-hmm. There's, You can't tell me that he was so meticulous that he cleaned off in the bathroom but still didn't get blood anywhere else in his car, on anything. anything. Or in the, in they the went heat, his entire dorm. In the, in the heat of passion, in this moment where his dad's like, oh, I don't like you because you're gay, he doesn't trip up at all? Yeah. The other thing is that the timeline that the investigators devised only had Brendan in the house for 14 minutes, which that's really a whole lot of, t- that's not enough time to do everything that they said, kill them, clean up, make sure everything's locked, and then leave. But okay. first get to a heated discussion to murder. Yeah, because he brought pizza. So they had dinner. And then so they have dinner. And then they argue. Well, it depends on, you know, I mean, sometimes when I really want pizza, like two minutes flat and my pizza's right. gone. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but still, like, you you start start the investigation, you start the conversation. It, it It's going to take a little bit to get heated, right? Yeah. Ad- agreed. So it's not like it's, and then you have to have time for cleanup. So they say, and then this says on the Innocence Project, that's where this stuff came from, is that there was no DNA evidence found on the knife that they say Brandon used in the attack. They did say in the documentary, not the documentary, in the Nightmare Next Door episode that there was evidence found, but the Innocence Project website said there wasn't. Um, And Brandon also said that he would be able to prove that he was not at his parents' house at the time of the murder if the phone records for the time of the murder had been entered into evidence. What? Remember I said earlier that there was time they said was unaccounted for? Yeah, because they didn't put it into evidence. Yes. Because then it would make him innocent. It would exonerate and him. And that does Motherfuckers. Oh, that makes me so mad. But those records are missing um, for several hours on the day his parents were killed. Another fact is, not aligned with the theory, is that both his mother and father were shot and stabbed. So see, the the nightmare next door says that the mother was only shot once and not stabbed, that only the father was stabbed. But the Innocence Project is showing that the mother and father were both shot and stabbed. So it's completely contradictory to what is presented. And again, I couldn't find a lot of shit in the newspaper. So I don't really have, I did find, um, I do have the arrest warrant that I can kind of read some of. 
They also had a suspect that they didn't even look at very closely. His name is Mike Etherington, a former friend of Brandon's. He was questioned by the police and during his interview mentioned something that should have been of more interest to investigators, but they passed it over. Etherington told police a computer was missing from the Woodruff's house, something police didn't even know themselves. So how would he know that if he wasn't there? And if he was there to steal a computer, then why didn't he, if he saw them there dead, why didn't he call the police? So that's very suspicious, but not really, nothing came of that. Mm -hmm. Did Brandon have a key to the new house? Okay. I'm sure he did. I'm sure, like, it's not ever said that he absolutely did. But, I mean, I have a key to mom's. I have well, I'm just saying because they were just freshly moved in. That's what I'm saying. Oh, well, I... I'm sure to the Heath house, obviously, because he lived there. But I didn't know with it being the new house if maybe he even had a key. I mean... He may not have. I don't know. That's a I mean, question. Because, I mean, when you first move in, you don't get keys first made. You know, like, Heidi's been in her apartment, what, a year before I got a spare yeah. key. Most of the... The first part of the story came from The Nightmare Next Door. It's episode... I don't have the episode. But it's season eight. It's called Lone Star Mystery. Um, and also sword and scale just covered the story in May. So it, there's is really good. Cause you know, he goes, he's able to interview mm-hmm. people. Um, and then the, the documentary, that's a 2019 documentary by Scott. It's called Texas justice, Brandon Woodruff. And there's also a book called, uh, railroaded the homophobic prosecution of Brandon Woodruff for his parents murder by Philip Crawford Jr. With it being the month of June, and it's LGBTQ awareness. I didn't consider that when I wanted to do the story. So it's just meant to be. What a great coincidence. Yeah. Um, but I think it brings awareness. I do believe he's innocent. I don't. I don't really know who did it though. I don't have. I think they wanted him to be the suspect because they didn't like his lifestyle. I don't think he was very. I don't think he lied to them about it. I think he did lie to them a few times during the interview because he didn't want to tell them his lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So that's when they went to the college. And when they found out what he was hiding, that's when they decided, well, if you're going to lie about that, then then you're going to lie about. I just don't see what him being gay has to do with well, his parents being killed. Well, because if you think from their perspective, they're, I love Texas, but some of the people, some of the freaking people that live here are very anti-gay and maybe they put themselves in the situation that if that were their son, they would not be happy and there would be an explosion and there would be an argument. That's fair. And that they're thinking on, instead of trying to be a detective and think logically and topographically about it, they're getting involved emotionally and thinking, well, if my son came home and told me that and he was failing out and, and he wasn't going to class and, and he's doing gay porn and he's making all this money and flashing and skipping class and all that. Well, I'd be pissed off and you couldn't do this. And and they said he had a lot of debt and like he was going to get insurance money. Like if you want the story to fit, you're going to find a way to mm-hmm. make it fit. Right. And unfortunately for Brandon, he probably did not get a very fair trial. I mean, if, if you're on that jury and you said he was guilty, shame on you. Yeah. Shame on you. Shame on you, jurors. If you're listening, I don't give a shit. Shame on you. Well, it had to be because unanimous. Because if I had been in that so they jury, had to... I would have said No. no. Sorry. There's not enough. There's no. What's the evidence? I need some hard evidence, and I don't mean no bullshit. First of all, that give, you don't like his lifestyle. Be, before you give me evidence, what benefits him to kill his mother and father at this point right now in his life? How does it benefit him to have his parents dead? It doesn't. Yep. Because if he does want to make it through college, he needs them to pay for school. If he doesn't want them to pay for college anymore, 
then he doesn't need them because he's making plenty of money in his new or his I wouldn't say new, excuse me, in his new endeavors mm-hmm. that he has found out that he is good at and he likes. Yep. So he has a way to make money. So money is not a motive. Yep. If he was sick or if he had an issue or a problem with his parents, it would be a long-standing issue. It wouldn't just happen in one 14-minute conversation on a Sunday night. Mm -hmm. It just wouldn't. Mm -hmm. If he had heat of passion and he had rage and all that, they would see that in his school. They would see that in his friends, in his sister. It wouldn't just be an all-of-a-sudden thing. So you can't even give me a reason why somebody would want – why he would want his parents dead – there is no evidence. There can't be. It just, it absolutely does not make any sense. Yeah. It is super frustrating. And so I, if you just watch the nightmare next door, then you think it's a cut and dry case unless you, if you believe that the evidence they found is enough, it's all circumstantial at best. And then when you go back on the internet and you read with a little more open mind and you, and you start digging, you're like, well, yeah, that didn't make sense. And oh, well, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be upset if my kid came out to me. I mean, I wouldn't want them to do porn. But if that's the life they choose and they're okay with it and they're not getting hurt, then I support that, mm-hmm. right? That's my job as their mom. I want to protect them. But, right. like, I can't live their life for them. It makes me wonder, like, if you were to tell this same story over again to somebody who doesn't know it and didn't tell them that he was gay or that he had this other other life, other life outside of school – if they would feel the same way that he did it. Because the thing is, is that him, he never lied about where he was. Mm -hmm. He never lied about being there. He never lied about anything like that that would implicate him in a murder. He never lied about that. No, there wasn't. All he lied about was his sexual orientation and the side job that he has. That's it. Well, I know, but in their mind, if you can lie about something like that, you can lie about anything. So So that's why I'm saying if you told the same story and didn't mention that he was gay... Or that he had this lifestyle and you just took that part out of it. Would somebody still believe that he was guilty? I, I don't know. I don't think you can. Yeah, I don't Because know. what other evidence do you have? And even that is just, that's a judgment call. Well, and I think because he was trying to cover his lifestyle and where he actually was, um, there was a couple, there was a story, I don't remember where I read it, but there was an incident with him and his friends <clears throat> where he had a duffel bag. And somebody went to get in his bag and he freaked out. But it's because his porno tapes were in there and he didn't want them to see them. And it was his Abilene Christian friends. But it's so like, they misread that by thinking well, that no, he was trying to fit to their scenario. Well, and I'm not saying the detectives. I'm saying his friends. His friends told the detectives that. And of course, the detectives because it made it fit. fit because it made but it like fit. his friends were like, it, it was sketchy the way he acted. They were like, what yeah. are you trying to hide in there, bro? And of course, he wasn't going to tell them. Yeah. But like he he is trying to hide something, but it's not what they think. Being gay doesn't make you a murderer. You know, like. I'm sure because, I mean, this was 2005. Not that it's gotten any fucking better. No. I mean, maybe a little, but not enough. Right. Still not enough if we're still if he's still in jail. Well, maybe it's gotten better because now the Innocence Project is part of it. That's And maybe enough LGBT LGBTQT people have spoken out for him and helped him. And yep. gained awareness. So whoever did all that, kudos to yes, you. Yes, good job. Because I think it's disgusting yeah. the way that people are treated just because just because of who they are. Yeah, who they are. That's it. That's it doesn't they make are. them there. We're all different. It's just total bullshit. I know that there's there's also a, a Facebook page called Free Brandon Woodruff. 
and we're going to talk to the guy that runs that page. And he said that, that and also Richard Ray too, the one I mentioned earlier, there, I believe that this is going to be one of those Netflix series. Mm-hmm. They're going to make, I mean, this is a huge thing. It's turning into be this big thing, which is good because the more awareness that you can bring to him, maybe he can actually get justice and, and get a new trial and it be fair this time. Because mm-hmm. um, that's what he deserves. He deserves a fair trial, and he did not get it the first time. Agreed. Maybe the second time he'll actually get it. Um, so go to the website, donate if you want to donate, sign the petition if you want. There's no pressure, but, I mean, if you feel strongly about it, please do. There'll be some stuff. Hopefully we're going to do a thing with that free Brandon Wood- Woodruff site. And so we may be on theirs and they'll be on ours. So there might be like some combination there. But anyway, that's the story of Brandon Woodruff. So quick question. The person that found the bodies, who is he? A neighbor? He is a family friend. It's sketched to me. I, I completely agree. And, like, because I go back to... Up again. I, Actually, I thought, I thought there was something on the Innocence Project page that said he had to break in the window. But then the... And that's more stuff that's incorrect or mm-hmm. one one saying one thing because the Nightmare Next Door episode showed that the window was unlocked. But the Innocence Project website said that they had to use something to break the window, to jimmy the window open. See, like... So I don't know, and I'm not saying the Innocence Project website is wrong. I'm just saying it's completely opposite of what they said. And, well, and, and I, how do we know that the person that did it, Linda, Norma or oh. Dennis's keys were in the house? Nobody so said how, anything about that. So how do we know that they didn't take they didn't take the key off the chain and lock it on their way out? We don't know. We don't know that. I mean, and you're right. And it is a little suspect. I mean, they know the person and they sent him over there, but there was a long time. Like they were we we don't know if Sunday is really when they were killed. Right. To be honest, there's really no way. Or how do we know it wasn't Sunday evening? I mean, they're they've had dinner with their son. He leaves. They sit on the couch. They're watching TV. He's dipping. They're having, you know, maybe they kind of, you know, doze off a little bit, and then they're somebody's in their house. I mean, you it's know? out in the country. And, you don't expect it. And it's it. in October, so if it's cool outside, the house may be cool, which is going to preserve the body a little bit longer mm-hmm. and prevent decay. So these cases are the hardest for me when there's no apparent motive. Those are the hardest ones because those are the ones that more likely are random acts of violence, mm-hmm. and those are so much harder because there's nothing that ties that stranger to this family. It's true. And I think it's a little bit sexist to say that Charlotte couldn't have done it. I agree. I thought that too. Because, I mean, just because she didn't have this lavish second lifestyle that she was living or what have you, like, how do you know that, like, she didn't have something going on and that she fought with her parents? You know? We don't know. We don't know that. Just because it wasn't, just because they didn't say they didn't, it doesn't mean that there wasn't anything going on. I mean, and now for her... She lost her brother and her mom and dad. Yeah, she's by herself now. So that's got to suck. I mean, you're going through this thing where you lose the two most important people in your life. And then now they're telling you that your brother did it and you don't believe it. Like she even said in the show, she's like, "I, I, there's no way. And she doesn't believe that he did it. Right. None of the family believes it. And that's a common thing. But I feel like. If there was an ounce of truth, like somebody in your family is going to be like, mm, I don't think he did it. I don't think he did it. And if he did do it and there's evidence, I need to see it. Agreed. Agreed. You know, if he's where he's supposed to be, then he's there not because he's gay, not because he did porn, but because he, because he took him. the life of his parents. Yeah. It makes me embarrassed. Of, yeah. Of, to be in a state of such that something like this prejudice. 
yep. you know? So I'm mad. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. sorry. Didn't mean to make you mad, but I... But these are the things that we have to talk about mm-hmm. because more pe- more awareness needs to happen yes. for the LGBTQT community and the justice system needs to be recognized for their mistakes. And the jurors don't be bullied. If you if you don't feel like there's enough, then speak up. It's your job. It's your duty. And if you yes. can't do it, then stay your ass home. And when they ask you questions, don't lie just to be on a jury. Or lie to be out of it. Like, don't lie and be like, oh, no, I would never I would never be prejudiced against a gay person. Or I would never be prejudiced against a person. And then get on the stand and be racist. Don't do that. So rest in peace, Dennis and Norma Woodruff. And we hope you get justice, Brandon. We'll do our best to help you. Mm -hmm. Is that a wrap? That's a wrap. Okay. Let us know what you think. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all.